Today's episode is brought to you in part by Logos. Logos combines digital books with intelligent software to help you study the Bible deeply. Do word studies with one click, search for virtually anything in your Bible, and enjoy dozens of features that help you see more in Scripture. Right now, you can find my book, Virtuous Persuasion, A Theology of Christian Mission, as well as get a listener discount on Logos by visiting logos.com slash mniebauer. That's logos.com slash mniebauer. What does it mean to believe in God's kingdom and power, as opposed to the kingdoms and powers of the world? What is God's glory, and how do we partake of it? What will it look like to be in God's glory forever and ever? Welcome to This We Believe, the podcast where we explain the essential texts of the Christian faith. My name is Dr. Michael Niebauer. Today we are examining the next line of the Our Father, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord's Prayer ends with a doxology, which is a brief statement of praise to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For Christians, prayer and praise go hand in hand. To engage in prayer before God is to acknowledge the omnipotent, powerful, and merciful King who is capable of hearing and fulfilling our petitions. If I attempt to live by prayers alone without praise, two things will happen. On the one hand, I will believe that my prayers can only be fulfilled through my labor. I will work tirelessly to bring about my own view of God's kingdom through my own power. Such labors will only bring despair as we quickly discover how little control we have over the trials and tribulations of history. On the other hand, my prayers will become exercises in wishful thinking. If I refuse to acknowledge God as the one who has the power to fulfill my prayers, then my prayers will lack the certainty that God will answer my prayers as he sees fit for me. We will pray with little expectation of being changed by prayer. Our prayers will become like purchasing a lottery ticket, hoping to get lucky without any expectation of hitting the jackpot. In order to keep prayer and praise linked together, The Lord's Prayer ends with the line, For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. It invites us to turn over each and every prayer to God, trusting that God is the one who hears our prayers and is the only one who can fulfill all of our petitions as may be best for us. Now this final line begins by stating that God's is the kingdom and the power. In uttering these words, Christians assert that God is in control of history, that he is the ruler of all things. These words are deeply subversive, as they assert that all earthly kingdoms and powers are subservient to God. It is important to utter these words daily, because the headlines of the day attempt to convince us that the politics of our country are the most important and pressing issues of the day. We are inundated with messages asserting that every election is the most important in history, that the world will fall apart if our particular side does not win. When we refuse to believe and trust in God's kingdom and power, we will desperately try to obtain this earthly political power at all cost, 
compromising our faith in the process. While governments, politicians, and rulers do have some authority in our society, this is only a a temporary shadow authority given by God. True and eternal power comes only from God. To declare God's kingdom and power is to assert that we will live according to God's ways, even if they conflict with the ways of the world. It is a statement of trust that, while earthly kingdoms come and go, God's kingdom will last forever. final line of the Our Father continues by speaking of God's glory forever and ever. In the Bible, God's glory is a complex word that connotes God's presence, goodness, and beauty. In the English language, we sometimes say that someone has a glow about them, or that they are glowing. We use this phrase when someone's beauty and goodness seems to rise to the surface and appear on their face in disposition. In such circumstances, we can say that another person's glory is revealed to us in this personal encounter. Now, to partake in God's glory is to have a personal encounter with God and partake in some of God's inner goodness and beauty. Because this goodness and beauty uh, are infinite, they shine with a radiance brighter than the sun. In the Bible, To be close to God is to be surrounded in his glory, to be wrapped in light just as we are wrapped in clothing. However, because of sin, our access to God's glory has been cut off, and we no longer are surrounded and clothed by this beauty. In the book of Genesis, it says that after Adam and Eve sinned, they realized they were naked. This was a sign that they were no longer close to God that the glory of God no longer surrounded them. In essence, they lost their spiritual clothing when they sinned and could only see the frail naked body that was underneath their heavenly garments. However, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christians can begin to spiritually partake in this glory once again when they confess faith in Jesus as Lord and God and receive the Holy Spirit. While this glory is for the most part experienced spiritually, their final hope is that this glory will be made physically manifest and visible when they die and are resurrected. In the last story in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it tells us what this eternal life will look like. Those who believe in Jesus Christ will rise and enter the heavenly temple of Mount Zion. This place will be so full of God's illuminating glory that the sun will no longer be necessary. God's goodness and beauty will permeate everywhere. Finally, Christians will receive their ultimate reward, seeing Jesus face to face. We will be able to look Jesus in the eyes and behold the face of God. To look deep into someone's eyes is to behold their inner beauty in a moment of intimacy. We reserve these long looks for the closest of our friends. The Bible ends by stating that we will look upon Jesus in a similar way. We will look upon his face and be wrapped in his glory, and this will continue in eternity. This is why the Our Father ends by asserting God's glory forever and ever. In the midst of the trials and hardships of life, 
in the midst of the ugliness of a sinful and broken world, we say the Our Father to restore our hope. In praying the Lord's Prayer, we are given confidence that evil and ugliness are only temporary, and that God's goodness and beauty are eternal. Even if everything in this world turns against us, we can trust that our eternal life is secure in Christ, and that we will behold his face forever and ever. Finally, the Our Father ends with the simple word, Amen. This is a word that Christians utter after all formal prayers. The simple definition of this word is truly. It is a word of affirmation in the truth of what has just been spoken. But it is more than that. The word amen is a word of both affirmation and commitment. It is similar to the pledge that a witness makes in court to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. It is a statement that both acknowledges truth and commits the person to living into this truth. One stakes their life and reputation on this affirmation. When we say those words, amen, we are saying that we believe everything about God that we have prayed, and we commit ourselves to living into this reality. We commit to hallowing God's name, to seeking forgiveness and forgiving others. We commit to fleeing from temptation and allowing God to work through us to build his kingdom. In many ways, the uttering of the word amen brings us full circle, back to the first line of the Apostles' Creed, which is, I believe. In our examination of the first line of the Apostles' Creed, we talked about faith as both belief and commitment, much like a wedding vow. It is a statement that we believe in God and love God, and a commitment to live into this belief, to act in the world as people who are forgiven by Christ, who have received the Spirit of Christ, and who believe in the Church as the body of Christ. And so we pray the Our Father to affirm our faith in Jesus Christ, to put our hope in the resurrected glory of Christ, and commit the entirety of our lives, body, mind, and soul, to living into this reality each and every day. I'd like to thank you for joining me today on This We Believe. If you have enjoyed this episode, I'd ask that you tell one other friend about us. This will go a long way in helping us reaching others. If you would like to connect further, please visit our Facebook page at This We Believe Podcast, Twitter at We underscore Believe underscore Pod. And if you have a question you'd like answered, please send us an email at This We Believe Podcast at gmail.com. Take care and God bless.